Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, the Dean and Founder of Directions University at DirectionsUniversity.com, calling in live this week from Bonita Springs, Florida, as I do each week on Tuesdays at noon Eastern. We've got another great show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-host, the Associate Dean of Directions University, Jack Humphrey, calling in from Richmond, Indiana. Hello there, Jack. Hello. How are you today? I am wonderful. And you? Excellent. Starting to prepare for winter up in these northern parts. Better you than me. (laughs) Yeah, but you won't get to cross-country ski. No, that's true. But I'll be able to go to the beach in my bathing suit instead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm all excited today because last night, We Magazine for Women announced their 100 100 who's who of women in e-commerce, and I made the list. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Well, we have got a great show lined up for everybody today. I'll let you introduce our guest in just a minute. At the end of the show, we have Jan Riley's segment with one of our very favorite people, BU faculty member of uh, technology architecture, Roger Hollingsworth. So we'll save that for the end of the show, Jack. All right. Our guest today is Pamela Brunner. And Pamela is a business success coach author, speaker, and an EFT expert. EFT is short for the emotional freedom technique. Pamela specializes in working with entrepreneurs to build six- and seven-figure businesses by removing their challenges around marketing and sales. She is the co-author of Tapping Into Ultimate Success. It's a book and DVD with Jack Canfield, the creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, Pamela. Hey, how you doing? All right. So you work with lots of people around traffic and stuff, and they're always working on their businesses and bringing in more traffic and trying to convert that traffic. And and I imagine I just uh, working on keeping them from stressing out over it, right? Well, yeah, I do. Here's the thing. A lot of people who struggle with market, marketing and sales, you know, never really create a successful business. And that was me for a number of years. And six years ago, I used some of my own techniques to get over my fear of marketing and sales. And I went from $375 a month in income to a million dollars a year in under three years. And traffic has certainly played a major part, not only in my success, but my continued success. So I'm really excited to share some of my favorite tips with listeners today. Awesome. Well, where would you like to start then? It sounds like you have a plan. We love social (laughs) media. We love list building. We love joint ventures. What's your favorite? 
Well, the two that I've found that work best are joint ventures and uh, driving traffic using social media, especially paid advertising. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about today, because I think that there is a huge misunderstanding about social media and about um, how you drive traffic using Facebook ads. And so I'd really like to cover that because there are a whole bunch of people sort of jumping in now to the whole Facebook ad thing. And uh, there are a lot of people offering their services who are unfortunately, I think, disserving some of the people they're working with because they're sending, they're, they're driving traffic on ads to what I call dead-end, dead-end websites. Mm-hmm. And so um, really what I've found with, with driving traffic in that way is that the best thing to do is take a long-term approach. That if, if I use JV partners to put people on a list while I'm doing a launch, I can often convert those people right away because they mm-hmm. they trust my JV partner. They've always got good things from their JV, from that JV partner of mine. The JV partner endorses me. I offer something, and they're like, "I'm in. It's great. I'm I'm with you." And I can sell like that pretty easily. Somebody comes in cold traffic, mm-hmm. like from a Facebook ad, and there's a lot longer nurture sequence. So if you're going to say, "Oh, you know, I'm doing a launch, and let me just let me just dump some money into Facebook ads for this launch," those people may come on your list, but might not be ready to buy from you. So I see that that setting up a longer term strategy, and for that you need a lead magnet, you need a nurture sequence, you need to figure out what exactly is the process that I want to take people through, and that's a very different question than should I run a Facebook ad. Now that uh-huh. being said, I may I may have taken myself right into the fire with this. I don't know if you've got questions or objections or anything based on that, or I can expand. What do you think? Absolutely expand. I love this topic. Something that people need to hear for sure. Okay, great. And just so you know, Pamela, that's exactly how Jack and I would recommend doing it as well. So we're very much aligned here. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, here's because I work with a lot of business owners who are conscious entrepreneurs or who I call transformational entrepreneurs, their work transforms lives in the world, there's a tendency to want to put all of your work or, or the big umbrella of your work out there in a little freebie that you're going to drive traffic to or a little lead magnet that you're going to drive traffic to. And I found that those aren't very effective, that the things that work really well tend to be the very, very specific tools. So, um, you know, one of the freebies, uh, the lead magnets that I have on the web is 10 Secrets to Overcoming Sales Objections. Now, as a business coach, do I do more than help people get better at sales and overcome sales objections? Absolutely. But that's one very specific little chunk of information that can be helpful and can be consumed in a short period of time. So one of the things that... um, that I like to suggest to people if they're saying, okay, well, great, I understand I need a lead magnet, I understand I need a freebie, so I want to run an ad to something that's going to convert, that people are going to get opt-ins from. Um, what, you know, what should I write? What should the lead magnet be? What is a, a very small but specific chunk of information that you can put in an easily consumable format that somebody can consume in 15 minutes that can affect their life today? And if you can give them that, and then wrap the ad around that, um, you're going to have something that people are going to want, and your conversions are going to be good. That's sort of the front end of it to me. Now, the back end of it is that you actually want to reverse engineer this little chunk of data from where you eventually want to take them. 
so and this is often confusing to people, especially if they um, they grow up in the normal funnel system. It's like, okay, so they get a freebie from me, then I have to have a $97 product, then I have to have a $197 product, then I have to have a $497 product. And they're exhausted making all these products, and they've put yeah. 20 people through their system, and they've made all of, you know, $1,675. So the other way to do it when you're starting off is that you could actually run a nurture sequence to an invitation for a consultation. So maybe you've got a freebie out there. Let's just let's just use my freebie for example since it's top of mind. So I've got that 10 secrets to overcoming sales objections. So somebody says, yeah, I really need that in my business and they opt in for it. Then I'm going to give them a couple of other juicy bits of information, a couple of little videos, things like that. And then let's say I didn't have the 97 or the 497 product. I could at that point send them an email and say, hey, you know, you want to hop on the phone and chat about where your sales are or where you'd really like to take your business? And that invitation might be, get me a consultation at which I could sell something way more expensive than a $97 product. That to me is and that to me is a great way to do it. Now, if you've got all the other stuff, if you've got the 97 and the 497 and all that other stuff that we're supposed to have when we drive traffic, by all means, send people through a funnel that, that offers that. But if you don't, you can start getting going on Facebook ads and driving traffic with nothing more than a freebie and a couple of good emails. Yeah. So it sounds easy. That, it, does, it does sound easy, doesn't it? It's not quite as easy as it sounds. <laughs> but, but isn't that, isn't um, that what you found, though? That a lot of a lot of the times that it's really. You know, when you hear somebody like you say that, and it, you lay it out so well. And it just makes sense, and I think people can listen to it and go, in your gut, that feels right. That feels simple and easy. Why do you think it's so hard for people to take it from what you just said to reality? That is a great question, and uh, I think there's a couple answers to that. One is that there are a lot of very good people out there who know how to offer the transformation that they do provide, but they don't know how to... They don't know how to break off chunks of it, so they're, they're really stuck in trying to create a small and, and consumable lead magnet. But the other thing is they don't know the marketing language to share their knowledge. So if you can, if you can get in their circle and start talking to them, you may be blown away by how amazing they are, but they don't know how to share with you how amazing they are. And that, I think, is a lot of the missing piece. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the so, other thing that we're big fans of at Directions University is what we call the planet, sell it, create it model of doing things. Mm-hmm. So even when you're just yay started, for you, <laughs> if you don't have all that stuff set up for your funnel, well, you can certainly mm-hmm. plan it. You can put it together in a way that allows you to sell it, and then co-create that product in front of a live audience doing mm-hmm. things like virtual workshops or what we like to call master classes or intensive so mm-hmm. that you can actually be selling it beforehand. And in creating that, it then, the way that we suggest doing it, it then gives you enough content to have every single part of that funnel instantaneously. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. And, you know, I think that the, I certainly adhere to that philosophy, the philosophy of 
buy it, sell it, create it. Or I'm sorry. <laughs> Say it again so I get it right. Planet, sell it, create Planet, it. Planet, sell it, create it. Thank you. Yes, I totally agree. Um, the thing that I love, and this, this I teach all the time about creating high-ticket packages, is that if you take a, a – a small lead magnet through a nurture sequence to a consultation that leads to a high-ticket offer. You can sell that first person on your high-ticket offer and create the curriculum for one person as you go as you take them through your services. You don't even need to get a group of people together. You don't need to discount for a group. You can offer a $2,000, $3,000, one-on-one offering. Now, a lot of people say, well, how could I offer something that expensive but then when I haven't even created it yet, well, you have to have an idea. You have to have it planned out. Thank you very much. Great word. And you, ha- you have to kind of know where you're going to be taking someone. But you can um, create and stay one step ahead of your clients that's in there. The other thing that I love about this model is I think that it serves your clients very well. Because if I just create something new and I'm working through that new thing with a one-on-one client, If I notice that that person needs a little more here, a little less here, I can tweak on the fly. I can say, you know what, Um, I'm really seeing that that this is a part of the the work that we're doing together that needs a little bit of enhancement. So I'm going to go create an audio for you or I'm going to go create a, a handout for you that has more information. And then when I launch this online and turn it into a $497 program, I will have already vetted it and tested it with a whole bunch of people, but all have been paid very well to do that. Nice. We love doing that, too. That's a good way to keep uh, from burning your joint venture mailers, <laughs> right? Is Absolutely. doing a lot of testing before you have anybody mail for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. If anybody's made that mistake, you know the pain and suffering you put yourself through and your JV partner if you haven't done that ahead of time. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. I know I was in a, an event lately where a bunch of people were talking about launching and I'm going to launch something, I'm going to launch this, I'm going to try to get this many people in a in a launch bucket or on a list and I'm going to sell this 97 or $497 program. And I said, you know, have you created the program? No, but I'm going to, you know, try to put 10 people in the program and create it. I said, okay, so you're going to put 10 people in a $500 program and get $5,000, and then you're going to hope not to burn those 10 people out because it's not, you know, your program may or may not be put together right. Plus, you don't even know if it's going to, you know, if it's going to fly, if it's going to give you what you need. There's just, there's so many reasons to do it, I think, one-on-one. And I said, what if you could have a conversation with one person and sell a $5,000 program to that one person without all the whole launch thing? And, and I tell you, people were going, that's very interesting, Pamela. Tell me more. It was just, you know, a little while ago when I was at an event. It, um, people, uh, the one thing that keeps people from selling high ticket is usually a lack of confidence, not a lack of skills or expertise. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say is it just doesn't occur to people that one person could have satisfied that same goal that you wanted to put 10 people into. They exactly. just don't even think, do they, that, that, that it's possible? And then they hear about people who are doing that uh, and I don't know if it's just a disassociation. It's like, well, they're them, and that's not me. There's no way I could attract that kind of a client. Um, but I think that they're all over the place out there. We certainly seem to find them fairly easily. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think they are. And, you know, people say, but nobody's going to spend $5,000 with me unless they've spent 97 and 497 And, and while well, I've certainly had people come up through the ranks that way, 
probably half of my sales still are people who meet me and you know will drop ten thousand twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars to work with me based on a single conversation and if your conversations here's here's the real kicker for people who want to drive traffic and this is so important you can tweet me on this if you can't convince one person that you are worth five thousand dollars you will never convince ten people you are worth five hundred dollars nice I'm writing this down <laughs> It is harder to sell in a webinar, online. Um, it's harder to sell from a sales letter than it is in a simple conversation where you can tailor what the person wants, to, or what, what they need to what you offer. It's much easier to sell high ticket in a single conversation. So why not? It's not the only thing. It's not the only way. Does it take time? Absolutely. Is it fairly intensive and, you know, not necessarily what you want to do forever and ever? Absolutely. But in terms of creating cash flow so you can set up the back-end systems and drive traffic, it's a great model. Yeah, definitely for cash flow. Because then, I mean, you can set up a group situation where everybody's getting actually um, some extra bits that they don't get out of a one-on-one situation because there's that you don't know what you don't know questions that come out of a group, but setting up that group thing, you might need some cash flow for that. <laughs> you might need to Absolutely. be able to you know, really set that program up so that it is just knock it out of the park, drop dead, easy to get people to see the value and get them in. Um, you know, but, but yeah, both methods are good. We have these things in our bachelor's group called thri- uh, survival and thrival uh, together. We call them thrival challenges. And you know, everybody's at different stages of development with their business, and um, but everybody needs cash now. They need cash flow. And mm-hmm. so we'd set up these little challenges and go, you know what, with all of the assets that you have, we have over here what you're doing to grow your business and building your vortex model for doing business and all of that. And some of that stuff is in different stages, not right now generating cash flow. It needs to continue to be built. And then you have over here all the skills you're learning separately, all these all these awesome things that you could do that if you were doing them for other people and not just your business as you're building it, they would pay you right now to do that stuff and mm-hmm. and to uh, or to consult with them and to teach them. And so we have these challenges and people just go out and it, they spend some part of their week just bringing in cash flow. And they they it's amazing how easy they find it to be. <laughs> they just do it and it's like and they and they come back and report the next week in our next bachelor call and they're like I can't they're mostly disbelieving. Like I just can't mm-hmm. believe and then they start to understand, for those of you who are doing these kinds of programs, they start to appreciate more what you're teaching them in the core. Like, wow, this stuff is really worth a lot of money to people out there who really want to learn it and want to be taught it or have it done as a service. I should probably treat it a little bit more um, uh, gingerly <laughs> and with a lot more respect in my own business. This is what I'm building for myself. This is freaking awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's you've you've really hit it on the head. That's absolutely right. So social so, media. What what kinds of things do you like about social today in driving traffic? <laughs> what it, what are what's your campaign like right now or what are you working on right now that's interesting? Well, I think the hard thing for a lot of people right now is that is it takes so much effort to be social. Um because when you're talking about, hey, can we put out an infographic? Um, you know, let me create 
create a graphic with a quote on it. Now, the tools to do that have never been easier to use. So please don't misunderstand me. It used to be that if you didn't have a PhD in Adobe Photoshop, you couldn't do anything, and that's not true anymore. You know, there are all kinds of cute little tools that you can use. But just to just to create all of the posts and the information and things like that, it uh, it's a significant chunk of time as well as keeping up not only with a posting schedule but with how do I interact with that posting schedule and how do I engage the people in, uh, who are who are engaged in social media with me. And so mm-hmm. I'm finding, you know, just just you know, a little peek behind the the curtain in my business. I'm finding that engagement goes up dramatically with graphics. That if I can put oh, yeah. pictures behind a quote, everything changes. People want to share it. They want to comment on it. Um, and it's just it's it's like being the center of a party and wearing you know an extra colorful dress or shirt or something like that and then asking questions mm-hmm. because people love to answer questions so you know i think that 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 it's a fine line for a lot of people about whether they want to do social media themselves or whether they want to outsource it i have either outsourced or insourced bringing you know bringing a team member actually I have a team member now who does social media for me um, I generate a lot of the content so it's my voice it's my ideas she does the posting and you know kind of keeps on top of what's going on because it's just so much of an extensive job so I think a lot of people actually should be outsourcing their social media um, they should be looking to get someone who is more expert to post for them and to advise, not somebody to write all their posts for them, but somebody to actually take care of the nuts and bolts for it because unless you are incredibly disciplined or you set your life up to do this yourself, um, it's very hard to run a business, grow a business, fulfill on your your clients and your customers, et cetera, and be posting on social media and keeping an eye on social media all the time. I think that's, yeah. um, for a lot of people... That's just way, way too much. If you can have a dedicated social media person or a dedicated marketing person who takes over social media, all the better. But it's, it's, it used to be that ugly outperformed pretty. I know you probably know the stats about sales pages. It used to be that an ugly sales oh, yeah. page would sell better than a pretty sales page. That's changed. We are now in the age of pretty, graphic, visual. It's got to appeal to the eyes as well. Yeah, people want to see some semblance of the site they just left when they come to yours. Or they want to see some semblance of your social media shares be what they're used to elsewhere. And if Mm -hmm. they don't, I mean, we're just hit with so much information from so many different angles. And we know so many people out there are phoning it in and the information is not worth what, you know, they're asking us to pay attention to. So we've become massive filters and uh, you know of our own time and uh, and attention, and we're just looking for any little cue that we can to lop something off. And mm-hmm. uh, our customers are the same. We're all the same. We all use social media. Then we also in this group are marketers, but we all do the exact same stuff. We have the same feelings about social media personally. So it's really easy to tell, I think, if if uh, you don't make it too special, right? You don't make it too. Um, esoteric, like, oh my God, social media, I've got to hire a social media. No, just think about how you react to things because we all use social media. We all react in quite the same way to different things. 
And and the things that we're open to and we love, you know, they kind of have that polish to them a lot of times. Mm-hmm. We're, we want, you know, if we're going to ask somebody to leave Facebook or Google Plus or Twitter to go and they've seen all that wonderful content that people are sharing around, you know what it is because mm-hmm. you follow those same types of people too. And then mm-hmm. you put your thing out there and it doesn't stand up to that, they're immediately back to their social network. They click out and that's a bounce and it's all over. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. The, the, ugly, the, the, the ugly sales letter thing has to be handled by a pro these days. Like uh, Somebody like Frank Kern can still get away with it because of his brand and everything that goes with the name of the person who sent you to that ugly page. That's mm-hmm. when they start to be very forgiving and go, well, it's got to be great information. I don't care if it's written backwards. I'm going to try to decipher what's on this page because he's, you know. But that comes with so much more than what a lot of people have, especially when they're starting out in their business, right? Absolutely. Well, and we didn't. I didn't even mention congruency, which is kind of what you just brought up, is this idea that the message um, that you put forward on social media in case they run across you on social media is congruent with the message, the look, the feel, the language that you've got on your homepage website. Everything has to really hang together. And right. I know, you know, and people are absolutely checking you out on social media. I mean, I know I'm looking for two new team members now. The first thing I do when I get a resume is I Google them and see where they are on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and, you know, I need to make sure that that people know what they're not only that they know what they're doing, but that they're not embarrassing. It's funny because I've I've um, done that for some prospective hires, whether it's a vendor or an employee, and I've looked at the page and thought, if this is what you're putting out in the world, you are not a match for my team. So social media is yeah. a huge veteran in so many ways. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're all kind of just hanging out there. And yeah, I mean, and we're also hearing a lot of people tell people, you know, you, if you're not making people uncomfortable, mad, or running them off, you're not in business. You know, you're not probably doing anything of note. And uh, that's certainly the case. I don't think anybody's got to worry about that the way most people are doing social media now. <laughs> you, you'll be running people off, and that's cool. I mean, you want to mm-hmm. run the people off that don't really match what you know your demographic, what your avatar is for your business, your best customer. So. You know, and then you can waste a lot of time trying to appeal to everybody, then they will work you. I mean, they will put you through the ringer trying to match up to what they want you to be and uh, mm-hmm. still not make any sales. So lots of wasted yeah. time there. Absolutely. And it's not – I don't think it's about being offensive for an offensive mistake. It's about taking right. a strong stand about what you believe in. Um, I posted something on social media actually earlier today that said, if you can't put yourself out there networking, consider the person who um, consider the person who is is eagerly awaiting the solution that you provide. If you can't do it for yourself, get out there for her. And it's like you know, that's not everybody's going to like that. Some people are going to say you ought to be able to get out there for yourself. Some people are going to say you ought to be able to do it without networking. But it's just you know, there are um, there are stands you need to take. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's how you get to see what the replies to those things you get to see. It's, I think it's just as important to see who's not going to be your customer and, and really you know, collect that data over time. What are their re- typical responses to these things? And really what they can be at times is excuses for why they're not going to ever be your customer. And it's really actually quite as insightful as it is when you're you're nailing down the traits and attributes of the people who are the best uh, 
targets for your for for what you offer. Wouldn't you agree? Um, I think I think that along with choosing a target market and an ideal client comes a responsibility to communicate with those people and to to say who you are and who you serve clearly enough that other people don't waste their time with you. Was that right? Does, yeah, that may yeah, have been the same yeah, thing exactly. that you meant in longer words. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just knowing who your market isn't is a good thing when you are trying to, you know, if you are still doing your social media and you're still trying to juggle all these things, you haven't gotten your assistant yet, all of these things really save a lot of time if you if you know what to do and have the confidence and have somebody helping you to have the confidence uh, to just make a stand, like you said. Here's what I believe in. Here's what I believe in in, in terms of if you're a business consultant, here are my beliefs around that. Here's how we do what we do here at xx.com. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you don't have to say, and you don't have to be confrontational about it or whatever, but a lot of people treat it as if they are being that way. You know, it's like just saying what you believe in and how you believe business ought to be done or, or personal development ought to be done or whatever industry you're in, um, a lot of people almost seem to treat that like, I don't want to say that because what if I run, you know, what if some people don't like that? And it's kind of crazy how we get ourselves twisted around like that. Well, I used to be that way. I mean, I really did. So full disclosure, I mean, I was afraid of everything marketing and everything sales in the book um, about six years ago when I started this business. And and what I found is that my list grew exponentially once I stopped worrying about that. When I tried to mm-hmm. be when I tried to be non-offensive, um, I ended up having no fans, being being attractive to no one. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to... And then while, the while there's a line somebody. of people waiting for you to open up an appeal to them, right? There's like a whole... Mm-hmm. There was a whole line of people going, man, if she'd stop trying to appeal to all these other people, I am totally with her. And then you open that up for them. You open that channel up for them, and they all came flying in like they were waiting to do. Maybe not mm-hmm. consciously waiting, but, you know, there was a market out there that was just dying to hear from you if only you were more specific and more guided in your thoughts and definite in your, uh, in your beliefs and, and, and um, your product and everything. So, yeah, they were there waiting for you, and then they started coming on your list when you kind of made it uh, plain who you really, really were and who you really wanted to serve, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, just like that. So what other? It's so easy. It's so easy on a radio show. <laughs> I know it's so e- it's so easy not to be scared, or it's so easy to describe what it took months and months and months of uh, work to do. One of the things that I like to say is that I believe business building a business is the graduate school of personal growth. If if you really do want to to grow in who you are as a person and and become a better human being, I think growing a business is a great way to do that. And it's always funny to me when people say, you know, oh, but I, you know, I don't want my business to be overwhelming because I want to spend time on my personal growth. So what do you think building a business is? <laughs> it's kind of, you're going to you're going to come up against every challenge and have to figure out how to handle them, preferably how to handle them gracefully, how to handle them without um, making too many enemies. And I'm not talking now about taking a stand for what you believe in, but it's just about being appropriate and professional and always being a good person to deal with, a person of your word and that kind of thing. You're going to have enough challenges with doing that and building a business that it's it's a tremendous um, way to to turn yourself into a better human being or give yourself the opportunity. Yeah. Well, 
Absolutely, and one of the things that we train people at uh, Directions University is right off the bat when we have a, uh, what we call a hug seat, is everybody comes on the hug seat thinking they're going to get help just with the way that they think about business. And traditionally, especially here in the States, we think about business in a very specific way. We're all brought up in very much the same way to think the same things about business. And business is over here. This is what you do. And then your life is over here. And, and then never, never the two shall meet. And then we start asking questions. Gina will ask, um, what's your perfect day look like? That's one of the big questions in our hug seat. And uh, and they're taken aback a little bit. Um, some of them uh-huh. know ahead of time because they've been on hug seats before, but they're like, why are you asking me these questions? I'm I'm here to learn how to build a funnel and make a product line and do business. And and we're like, no, you're not. You're, you're really not. When you're talking about your business, you're talking about your life because we're all entrepreneurs. We can do this. This is one of the reasons that a lot of people, I think, forget. You know, They think, I'm going to go into business. I'm going to have a lifestyle and a business and that I love, and they're all going to be together. And then somewhere along the way, we get way too technical and bogged down in the details, and we forget. That's what we wanted in the first place. That's what we thought of entrepreneurialism in the first place. And so we remind them on the hug seats, and they're like, wow. And then they really just get going, and then all of a sudden, a business model gets put together towards the end that matches what they said in the beginning about what their perfect day would be like, their perfect week or month, and what they wanted in one to three years, not only out of their business from just sheer numbers, but uh, also out of life. What are you going to be doing? Where are you going to be traveling? Do you like to travel? What kind of house do you want? All Mm -hmm. these things, and it all wraps up into this neat little package, and people freak out because, really, it's just a giant reminder that that's what it was supposed to be about the whole way. That's what most people think of entrepreneurialism is. Right? Mm-hmm. Or not? Yep. Well, I think that uh, – here's the thing. I think that people think that going into your own business gives you a lot of freedom and flexibility, and it does. But it also requires a lot of responsibility from you. And what I found is it takes um, – it's kind of like raising children. Nobody has kids going – someday these kids are going to take care of me in my old age because there's so much that you need to go through in raising kids. And if you if you raise a child with the idea, it's going to take care of me in my old age, then you're going to miss a lot of the, the joy and the possibility that's available to you in being in having a different energy, which is what can I give to this this person if you're a parent or this entity if you're a business? What can I contribute to the world in this way? And if you come to it that way, it probably will take care of you in your old age. But that's not—that's not the energy you start with, right? So, and that to me sounds like, you know, yes, I agree that a lot of people start things for lifestyle. Sometimes they're able to to do that lifestyle right away. Sometimes it takes a little bit of setup for them to get to that lifestyle. Um, but you always do it because there is a there is a guiding force, there's a reason behind the difference that you want to make in the world. And that's what the best businesses are built on. There you go. And tying people into the idea that your part of your lifestyle is the business, and it is making that difference in the world. It's not um, doing business for a source of income alone. For a lot of the people that we work with, that that's just a no-go. I mean, they, they, they know of all of the different ways that they can make money doing business. And um, for all of our clients, especially, they really, really want a lifestyle. They want it to be fulfilling. They want to make a difference in the world while they're 
generating mm-hmm. revenue. <laughs> and it's really, I think it's, isn't it, does it seem to you that it's getting more important to just people in general now? I mean, you see the, the uh, I can't remember what it's called on Huffington Post, but it's all around women and business and um, businesses that do something. Businesses that don't just create stuff for people to buy, but businesses that also do something for the world. And it just seems like it's almost building like a movement that people are starting mm-hmm. to look at it in a new way that is not the kings of industry way of looking at business. And they're really making a go of it. You can just find so many more examples nowadays of people with businesses they would describe just like that. This is fulfilling to me. I would do this um, no matter what. I, I'm doing mm-hmm. what I love. And so it's so much part of their lives they don't ever see it as here's what I do for a living and here's what I do when I'm not making a living. Mm-hmm. I agree um, 100%. And I I'm not sure um, what this has to do with driving traffic, but I think it has everything to do with creating a solid business that people are going to uh, to purchase from. And there are all kinds of business models within this because you can be a solopreneur, you can be um, a, what the government anyway would call a micro firm with five to ten employees, um, that you set something up that sustains a bunch of people's lives, including your own, and it's really a labor of love. Or you can... Um, create something that's far bigger than that, that employs 500 employees, and um, where you've got, you know, complete departments running different areas of the company for you. And none of those models is better or worse than the other. They're just all different, and they have their own set of benefits and their own set of joys and their own set of headaches. So I think the important thing is to figure out what what you want to be a part of what's really important to you. And I know when I started this business, I was like, hey, I want to be a solopreneur and make six figures. That's all the further I could see when I started this. And then mm-hmm. three years later, you know, it's like, okay, now I've got a couple of team members and I'm at seven figures. Now I've got more team members. I mean, my extended team is closer to eight or nine people. And, you know, so it, your vision can change along the way, but pick the vision you want at first and be open to it changing. Yeah. And I do think it has well, how much, everything how to do with driving traffic, Pamela. <laughs> okay, good. Tommy in on that one. So just like you can choose the business model, <clears throat> you also have tons of choices in how you drive traffic. And mm, okay. the choice has to be based on what lifestyle you want, doesn't it? I, I do think that yeah your business choice is based in based in lifestyle. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Jack. Well, I mean, an example, you can give an example from your own um I'm sure. And and that is how much easier was it for you to 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 get get the leads, the traffic and the conversion that you needed when you figured out a little bit more than I wanted to have a six-figure uh, solopreneur business when you integrated some part when it, it when it developed enough that you saw the passion in it that the passion that you had for it was driving a lot of the choices that you were making in the setting up of what it was you were going to do the products and services and things like that did the traffic seem to come any easier did did the idea of a, a, a solid demographic that you would go after a target market that you would go after get any easier once you had that injection of not only just direction, but passion for what it was that you were really going to end up doing as a solopreneur making six figures. Mm-hmm. To, to me, I'll be honest, the thing that has made traffic the easiest is always following my passion. So in 
some cases it was my passion for the message I had to share. It was my passion for what I wanted to do on a daily basis. It was my passion for who I wanted mm-hmm. to help. But when I follow, you know, this is what I'm really passionate about, this is what I'm really excited about, that's when things seem to work out the best. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that, you know, a lot of people uh, find that that is true eventually. It took me about a decade uh, to figure that out. (laughs) I was probably one of the hard-headed ones. But, um, you know, I mean, I was always passionate and – uh, but I always got tied in with a crowd that was, you know, uh, giving advice um, not from a point of they don't really care what you do. They're, they're like, it's not really important what you do. Here's the system for making a product that brings in this amount of money from this kind of a market. And it was so antiseptic and clinical that um, I struggled for, for a while. I did really, really good. I, I took what they told me, and I made huge, huge launches and, and uh memberships and companies that I've since sold and all of that kind of stuff, but it was hard. It was just, um, it wasn't something that was felt sustainable. So I think a lot of my success, you know, when it was, it had ups and downs and everything, but the ups were really nice, uh, mm-hmm. were, the downs were because I just didn't have that thing that sustained me within the business, you know. And then people could tell when I'm doing my ads, when I'm doing my copy, when I'm doing um, you know, social media and all those things. There, there's, there's not something that anybody you could, you could say, what's wrong with what I just said? They'll say, no, that's, no, it's fine. But that, mm-hmm. that in that lies the problem. Eh, it's just, it's just fine. In, and it's because my passion wasn't there. My, um, you know, you can tell a difference. And people want to work with you specifically. I, I can already get this from you. I've looked around at your social um, and your site and. Uh, and I, I totally get that you are really, really into this. Like you're 100% behind your message and what you do. And and uh, people want to work with people like you. That's just the bottom line. They want, they're drawn to that like a bug light. And um, <laughs> and then if you're not conveying that, if it looks like, well, if you can't even see you on the front of your site, if you can't even really, you know, if the only place that you kind of hide who you are and what you're passionate about is on your about page, which most people don't visit, then then that's the difference, I think. And then that is also the difference in the amount of traffic that you can drive because people are really attracted to and struck by genuineness and a genuine passion and desire to help. Yeah, and uh, thank you. I really appreciate that, and I, I love that you said that. So so it's interesting because I I was a computer programmer for 10 years. I do have a tendency to go sort of tactical and go left brain. And when I remember to access the passion and the, the drive and sort of the fun of the whole thing, that that makes all the difference in the world. That It doesn't mean yeah. that I can't use strategy. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't consider numbers and things like that. But you've got to have the rest of it in there too or it just doesn't work. Well. Yeah, don't you think that the tactical part of it, as much of a tactician as you were in the beginning, now, don't you think that the tactical part of it is just details? I mean, it's the easier of the two things, now that you've had an experience with working with people and trying to get them to understand that, and then and then understanding it yourself in your own business. It, the, the, we don't want to shy away from doing tactical stuff here on Traffic Masters by any stretch. No, no. But our main no. thing is is getting people to understand that once you're in the right place, all of that stuff actually starts to fill in. And you could be quite a good tactician as well and strategist as well 
for your business. It gets a lot better when you know where you're going, where you really, really want to go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm not saying at all to not be um, tactical. I'm just right, saying right. you don't come across, you don't approach something from, okay, what is the tactical thing to do here? Forget the passion. Forget what I'm excited about. Um, let me just be tactical about that. That is what won't work that well. So let's do a little bit of tactics just so we fill in that, that gap. Let just give you a scenario and let's hear how you would deal with it. So you're you don't have a um an assistant yet. You don't have an outsourced person or an insourced person yet. And so you're on the hook for both your social media as you can get it done, realizing mm-hmm. that social media is a giant raging river flowing by all the twenty four seven and you just put your your pole in the water and you fish for when you're able to fish. And then mm-hmm. you've got to pull those fish out, and you've got to cook them, and you've got to sleep, and you've got to keep your camp up, and you've got to do all the other things that you have to do. And you can't get stressed out about that river and all those fish flowing by when you're doing your other stuff. So, so they don't have all of that yet. They've got to handle it themselves. What's, what are a couple of tips that you would give somebody in how to do social media with the content that they have, maybe repurposing stuff or doing, you know, going to Canva and making quote graphics or whatever, just to mm-hmm. make the biggest impact with the – the amount of time that a typical DIYer has. Here's what's been my best tip for creating content on social media. It's I find that when I'm talking to my client that I will give a piece of advice and I'm like, that's really good. <laughs> you know, boy, that was brilliant. And I have taken to starting to jot those down. Not fully because I'm talking to a client, but I'll jot down two or three words so that I can remember at the end of the call with the client oh, I said this. And usually it's something that I've said before. It's not new. It's just if I try to sit down and put a blank piece of paper in front of me and say, okay, I want to come up with five inspiring quotes or pieces of business advice, that's going to be hard. But if I just start keeping notes during my client calls, there's a whole wealth of stuff that's not specific to any client. It's like, you know, um, you need to model Instead of creating something new, you need to model what you've already done. I told that to a client the other day, and the client was like, that's, that's great, thank you, that's very helpful. So that is something that I could write down and post on social media and just keep a list going as you're talking to people, as you're working on things, um, and you'll find you've got a lot of content right there. And then putting that in a scheduler is actually pretty easy. Yeah. Oh, and and I love that. We do that a lot. I do that a lot. When you're on the phone with somebody and you're giving them, you know, advice or your any other kind of conversation, medium, whatever, and you just said something that makes you go, "Wow, that was really good." And and not to mm-hmm. be, you know, uh, discourteous or anything to the person who does, but it's like I don't want to waste that on just you. I think I need to take this somewhere and do something with it. And there is a lot of that stuff you can do. I absolutely agree. And when you get that thought, like, "Wow, that was really good." Or, or whatever, mm-hmm. in one instance, there's usually another way you can use that in social and other uh, kinds of content that you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Gina, you yeah. have a wrap-up question? Um, before I get to the wrap-up question, one thing we do with our clients is we actually teach them that as they're hearing us and we're on calls and we're in the moment and in the flow, that when they find things that they think are really powerful, really good, that they should take that quote we just put out and put it up on an image and share it on social for us. They go into it, and all we've got to do is go and reshare it. Wow, is that awesome when they do that. 
And they that do it quite yeah, often, don't really they, cool. Jack? That is very cool. Yeah. Love it. I easy, love it, right? Yeah. Well, Way easier than doing absolutely. it ourselves. I, I just I was like, okay, Gina, go ahead and put that out there, but I don't think anybody's going to do it. And they did. They they are. They're doing it a lot. <laughs> it's awesome. They really are. Absolutely. So for our listeners who maybe haven't heard this approach before, where do they start? Um, here's what I would say. If you if you are starting absolutely from scratch. Um, get in the habit. I mean, eventually you'll want to create a Facebook um, fan or a Facebook business page along with your personal page, and then you have to create a LinkedIn, you know, uh, presence, et cetera, et cetera. And that can be a little overwhelming. What I would say is, if you can just get used to posting on one social media platform once a day to start. And you're going to then move that as soon as you can to twice a day. And if that's all that you do, so you get in the habit of I'm getting out there, I'm connecting with people, I'm checking on things, et cetera, that alone is that's a great, great start. And it's great enough, advice. isn't it? I mean, it's not like, yeah, they're not, not doing anything there. I think a lot of people don't value it enough. That That is a really a big deal. Once or twice a day, and just focusing in on the things that you can do can give you results right off the bat. It's not a, a training ground where you're, you know, it's not stuff isn't going to start happening. People aren't going to start responding until you ramp it up. That is ramping up. I mean, for a lot of people, that's a that really is a great starting place. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, very, very good. Jack found a really cool tool tool recently called FriendsPlus.me. Have you seen it, Pamela? I have not seen that. Tell me about it. It is, there's a free version, there's a paid version. If you initiate your content shares on your Google Plus account, it can then reshare from Google Plus to your Google Plus page, to your Facebook profile, your Facebook page, your LinkedIn account, your Twitter account. You can do a whole bunch of things just from one share. We Mm -hmm. love it. That sounds like a real time saver. It really is. Talk about massive leverage from content marketing. I love it. Yeah. Great. You great still got to pay attention to your, you know, you got to go see what people said about it on Twitter once you've posted it. So it doesn't over automate. It doesn't automate you out of the process. It just helps you with one function that does take a considerable amount of time. When you post to Google Plus, you remember you have a Facebook business page, and you've got to go post over there, and then you've got to go to LinkedIn and Twitter, and that does take quite a bit of time, but. That saves that time, and then you're not over-automating. You know, you're not taking the soul out of it. You still have to go back to each one of those and see what people said, and that's an enjoyable process for most everybody involved uh, in that. You know, you love it when you get feedback from your stuff, any any at all, when you, when you hear from people that were affected by what you shared. That's fun. It is. That is. I love that. That's great. And, wow, Jack, let's you, let everybody guys. know where they can find Pamela before we go. Uh Pamela, where can everyone find you? At MakeYourSuccessReal.com. MakeYourSuccessReal.com. Yep. And on that, I think everybody would really, really benefit from downloading the 10 Secrets to Overcoming Sales Objections. That's uh, right at the top of the page. Yes, and it's very easy to find. That's very, very good. the, the, The site is awesome, by the way. I love the layout and how it's organized. 
Thank you. Thank nice, you. Excellent. clean look. Well, thank you so much, Pamela. We've really enjoyed our time with you today. Well, I thank you very much. The The two of you are just a wealth of information, and this show is a huge service to the entrepreneurs out there that, that really, really need this. Good for you. Well, if we can do anything at all to help you and your people, just let us know. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. And now we have our short segment with Jan Riley and another member of the DU faculty. Jack, you want to tell them a little bit about Roger Hollingsworth, our Faculty of Technology Architecture? Yes, the genius, the the guy in the lab coat, the guy with the giant lab. <laughs> he actually does have quite a bit of a lab, I've heard, from Gina. And he does um, amazing things with WordPress. He's got a really, really cool WordPress theme that is unlike anything. Uh, we're running it on Directions University. And he does plugins, and he's just the tech geek guy that you go to when you say, I can't make this happen, but I need this to happen. And then five minutes later, he's like, here you go. He's a genius. He's awesome. So that's who's on the uh, call with Jan right now. Okay, and here we go. Hi, I'm Jan Riley, and I'm here with Roger Hollingsworth. Hey, Roger, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Roger, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Well, I'm Roger Hollingsworth. I own a software service company. Um, I build solutions for people who are doing their business online, uh, whether it be e-commerce or even application workflow type projects, stuff like that. Uh, I've been building software for over 30 years. I like to tell people that was before Bill Gates quit going to college. <laughs> yeah, that's a time. So I am really interested in why you've continued to do this. What is it you like about creating the software and helping other people? Well, the, the motivating factor that drives me is helping other people to resolve their problems. Um, usually that's with technology since that's what I'm good at, but it can be problems with business or um, not so much relationships, but I am good at that. Kids, whatever it is. I like to help people and see them grow because of things that we've discussed or um, those aha moments. Well, you know, I love that you say that because I think a lot of people aren't really putting the connection between solving problems and technology. But in for me, in my ideal world, that's what technology does. You know, it, it helps facilitate better communication. It doesn't replace it. It helps solve problems, um, not create more. And I know that some of that is how people use it. But what I hear for you is that you think of it from a design perspective. And I, I find that really interesting. Right. I like to see technology as a tool to help us achieve our goals. Yeah. 
And so tell me some of the ways that you've had that work for you or you've worked it for other people. Like I said, I've been using uh, technology, building software for over 30 years. And through that time, I've helped small businesses uh, with simple invoice type programs all the way up to uh, international based companies with uh, multi-million dollar uh, software solutions. Uh, one of the companies I used to work for was just bought by Oracle Corporation. Um, I helped design and develop their major product that got them into Oracle. Um, so, so it, when you're working with different people and companies, how do you how do you look at helping them solve their problems? I, I know this sounds silly, but how is it that you look at it differently to help solve their problems? Because I've worked with, uh, you know, computer engineers, and let me tell you, um, I wasn't feeling so much like <clears throat> they were there to help me solve my problems. It was, I mean, kind of technically, but generally it got just so into the technology and farther and farther away from helping me solve my problem. The techno babble. Yeah. And it's it's like, no, really, I just wanted to click this button and have another thing open up where they could sign in <laughs> or whatever it is, you know. So uh, what I hear from you is that you really focus on a different way of using the technology and really helping people. I personally think that is what makes today's businesses successful. When they can use technology in a way that really facilitates a better interaction. I think one of the things that I do differently than most software engineers or techno technology type people is that I try to see what the real purpose of of the request is if somebody says, Hey, I'd like to have this plugin or this module or software do this. It's like, all right, well, what's what? the real purpose that we're trying to achieve and understand that from their challenge. So that's where it goes into solving the problems is sometimes people ask for a solution that isn't going to solve their problem and understanding what their goal is can help me to utilize my knowledge and experience to come up with sometimes a better and faster, easier solution. Ah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So what kind of businesses do you think really benefit from technology today? I think all businesses benefit from technology. Uh, even the uh, ice cream stores or, uh, you know, the vendors on the street, the fact that today they can use credit card machines or credit card swipers attached to their phones to pay for a hot dog. Yeah. Um, the I'm glad to hear you say that because, you know, uh, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and even small business and, and the thing is now technology is not just, an app or a plug-in that goes on your website. It's really incorporated into almost every aspect of any business. It really is. Every, 
every aspect, children today, kids in school and stuff, they have to focus on technology because in 10 or 15 years, it will be all consuming their lives if it isn't already. Right. So how did you get involved with uh, Directions University? I was helping a local business and we became friends. Um, she likes to go to a lot of seminars and stuff and she got, she was the first one who uh, got into Directions University and met Gina. I happened to live not too far away from uh, Gina and one night we set up a dinner and from that dinner on, that was a couple years ago, it's I like what she does. I think we both have the same focus. We try to help the business at the business level and utilize the tools available, mindset, technology, um, you know, coaching in order to make people successful. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I love Directions U. So, Roger, tell us how people can find out more about you. Find out more about me. I have my company's website, which I don't put a lot of information on, but it's a little bit. It's uh, rchtechsolutions.com. Um, I'm on Google+. Plus. You can go to Directions University in the faculty area. I'm in that listed in there as well. Um, and they can contact me, see if... Uh, if they have a problem, you know, they, they need some help, um, we can see what we can do to solve their problems. All right. Well, I am so glad we got a time to talk, and I want to uh, thank you for sharing your insights on really how technology is improving business. And so thanks so much, Roger, for uh, joining us today. Again, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Hi. Once again, this is Jan Riley, and thanks so much for joining us. Stay tuned because we've got Gina Gaudio-Graves and Jack Humphrey. They're getting ready to continue with our special featured guest. And I want to invite you now to visit me on my website and at youcreateyou.com so that you can learn how to Oh, what a great segment with Roger. Absolutely love that guy. And he's too funny sometimes, Jack, because he even forgets to tell people about where they can find his great technology, like his wonderful WordPress <laughs> theme that we use on Directions University that you will find at askggg.com forward slash WPEngage, WPEngage phenomenal theme, and it gave us so much power that we otherwise wouldn't have had, didn't it, Jack? Absolutely. I love it. It makes life a lot easier. And usually the answer to, I wish we could do that, or that's really neat when we look at someone else's site, uh, we can run back to our site now and just do it. It's amazing. And I've never had this level of capability uh, with WordPress before. And neither one of us are programmers. That's straight out of the box. Without being a coder, we can do really powerful things that you see on some of those websites that look like somebody spent $20,000 on them. We can do that 
automatically because of Roger's technology. Thank you, Roger. Right. Well, Jack and I will be back next week, same time, same place, for another great episode of Traffic Masters. Have a fantastic week, everybody. And really go apply all that Pamela, at least one thing that Pamela shared with you guys. She showed so much today, didn't she, Jack? Yeah, she was awesome. See you guys next week.